All right, thank you very much. And it's great to be here tonight, of course. I love preaching here in my home church. And I always love being here and uh, getting an opportunity to preach. And so I count it a privilege to be up here. And of course, it's the Christmas season, isn't it? And uh, we're so thankful for that. And uh, I have a Christmas message kind of tonight. And boy, Christmas is great, isn't it? And it truly is one of the happiest seasons of the year. And I hope it's, it's very joyful for you. I hope it's a great time for you. And be thankful, those of you who have family and friends to spend time with. I hope you're very thankful and grateful. And I hope you take advantage of it. And also, though, this time of year, I would encourage you to reach out and try to find somebody who maybe doesn't have that. And I was privileged today to go to the nursing home, as we do every month. And we normally go the last Wednesday of the month, but on, in December, we always try to go before Christmas, bring them a little Christmas gift. And I think of those folks there, and they don't have uh, the advantages that many of us have. I'm going to wake up on Christmas morning. I don't know when we'll actually open gifts and do all that stuff, but whenever we do it, I'll be surrounded by my family, my kids. I know my parents, my sisters coming in and everything. It's going to be great. Many of you have that same advantage, but... Think of others who don't. I encourage you to reach out to them this season and do something for them. And it's, uh, it's such a great time to have family and be with family. And, and I hope it's not too stressful for you. I really hope it's not too stressful for you. Christmas for many people is so stressful. I mean, they're tearing their hair out. And uh, my, my wife has always gone to great lengths to make sure a lot of things are taken care of in advance. We get our, you know, she gets her shopping done normally before Thanksgiving, but apparently this year she had a baby or something. And so, you know, we got a little behind on that. And so we've actually had to do a little shopping recently. And I'll tell you, it is horrible. And it is just a terrible thing. And I, many of you probably are out there shopping and stuff. And uh, I never, I really don't shop for anybody but my wife ever. She t- takes care of all that. Bless her heart. It's, it's a wonderful thing not to have to do that. But, but boy, we've had to do some shopping. I've, I've, had, I've helped her some recently do some shopping out there. And it's just terrible. I mean, you go out there and it is jam-packed. There's people left, right, in front of you, behind you, everywhere. I mean, I think that's what Armageddon is going to be like. I, I'm pretty sure that's it's going to be like shopping right before Christmas. It's terrible. I don't care if you're in the, the checkout line at Walmart or the, the toy aisle at Toys R Us or the, the stoplight in Belden Village. It's just horrible. And I hope you're not too stressed out about that. I want you to think about this. When you think about the memories you have of Christmas, and uh, most of you in here have some great memories of Christmas when you were young. And uh, I know that I do. And I'm thankful for that. Some of you maybe don't have the best memories, and I'm sorry, but many of you have great memories. I know you do. But think about what those memories are. And I can almost guarantee you that almost none of those memories involve actually getting a gift. Hardly any of those memories have anything to do with getting a gift. They really don't. And, and yet, we get so caught up with buying gifts for people and making sure our kids have just as many gifts as everybody else does and making sure that, that we buy gifts for everybody that we can, in the world that we can possibly think of. And, and that causes stress sometimes, I think. And we get all wrapped up in buying, 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 and yet your kids are not going to remember what you bought them. Probably in a week they won't remember what you bought them. They'll have no idea. The time that you remember, the memories that you'll have is the, is the time that you spent with, with family and loved ones. That's the important thing. And so make sure you have traditions. Pastor O'Donnell at Christmas time always encourages the staff to make some traditions as a family. Go out and see the Christmas lights. Read the Christmas story together. Do something. Make a snowman. It's kind of hard with all the rain we've had, but do, do those things. And that's, that's what it's all about. That's what you'll remember. Not the stress of running around everywhere and tearing your hair out. That, that's, that doesn't create any good memories. And those gifts that you buy don't even create many good memories. It's, it's the traditions that you have that will do it and the time that you spend together. So I encourage you about that, and uh, that's just my little message about Christmas, I suppose. But let's turn to Matthew chapter 2. 
We're going to look at that tonight, Matthew chapter 2, the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 2. And I want to take the time to focus on a prominent character in this passage, Uh, a character whose name we talk about continually, we go over all the time, but it's not a good character. It's a a character whose name has lived in infamy for 2,000 years, King Herod. King Herod. And uh, this this King Herod in Matthew 2 is the first of several Herods mentioned in the New Testament. And that name, King Herod, comes up continually. And uh, this King Herod was the first one. He was the first King Herod that there was, and he's involved in this story. And, but then he soon passes from the scene, and it's his son, his son King Herod, or the Antipas, who killed John the Baptist, who was present at the trial of Jesus. And then his grandson, Herod Agrippa, was the one who persecuted the church, beheaded James, and was eventually struck down by the Holy Ghost when he was lifted up in pride. Then it was his great-grandson, who was just King Agrippa, who was almost persuaded by Paul. And so the, the name of Herod goes, rings down through the New Testament over and over and over. And this was the first one. He was the first of this dynasty. And he was very ambitious. I mean, he founded this dynasty by himself. He persuaded the Caesar to appoint him the king of that whole region, the entire region of Palestine. Very ambitious, but often, often cruel. He was willing to murder anyone who stood in his way. And he killed members of his own family. He murdered a whole bunch of the the priests there in in Judah at one time because they opposed him. But, you know, as his life went on, he did become very religious. He wasn't a Jew by birth, but he converted to Judaism and was very zealous about the the things, the, the, the Jewish customs, at least the ones that he liked, he was zealous about. And it was, he was the one who actually rebuilt the temple. And restored it to its glory that it had under King Solomon. So he did some great things. But throughout his life, before he became king and through the decades of his rule, he constantly had to battle assassins and battle others who would usurp his kingdom and take it away from him and plot to overthrow him. And so it is to this setting that baby Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And then a short time later, we come to our text. And uh, we know from this passage that this was not when Jesus was born. It was probably a year or two later. And so let's look at this, Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to read the first 16 verses of this passage here, if you'll follow along with me. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And uh, you've heard the, the saying, you know, when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And uh, when King Herod ain't happy, ain't nobody in Jerusalem happy. And you see that there. Verse 4, when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art thou art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, 
the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and in all the coast thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So we see the story. We see the story of the wise men, a prominent story. And I want to focus on King Herod in this passage tonight. And I want to tell you something. King Herod believed in Jesus Christ as much as you or I did. He totally bought the story that the wise men told him, 100%. He believed it in every way that, that a king had come. That someone had come, someone who had been foretold in the Old Testament. He believed it. And he tried. He really tried to understand God's plan. You look at verse 4. He gathered all of his priests and his scholars together and tried to understand everything about it. And he failed to truly understand its importance. The words of God in this passage led him to fear, to worry, and to plot and scheme against it. You know, it's amazing what King Herod missed out on. He missed a front row seat to the greatest story ever told. And there are great stories in the Bible. Amazing stories in the Bible that we repeat over and over in Sunday school and in messages. And we love to talk about it and we love to tell our children about stories. And I having, you know, we have this brand new baby at home and I've encouraged my kids. You know, they love to hold her. They constantly want to hold glory. And I'll say, why don't you tell her a Bible story? So then they'll start telling her some Bible story. And of course, they inevitably settle on David or Jonah or something prominent. And those stories are great. And, and we have great stories today, exciting stories that we hear. And, you know, I'm a big sports fan and I love it when sports gives us a great storyline. And the NFL this year, for whatever reason, is full of them. I mean, you had the Packers who were trying to go undefeated. and All these quarterbacks who were setting records. And then, of course, the, by far the biggest story this year, Tim Tebow. I mean, what an amazing story that is. And it's something that I probably will be repeating to my, my grandkids someday about how Tebow came out of nowhere and did all these amazing things. But, you know, there's no story ever in history that compares to this story that happened when King Herod was alive. An amazing story of a, a little baby that was born in a manger in Bethlehem. A, a baby that was, was of no account. He was born to poor parents in a poor town, in a poor province, in a poor country. A completely insignificant place in the world at that time. There was a time when Israel was powerful. There was a time when it had a say in world affairs. But it was not this time. There was nothing going on in Israel. And a little baby was born. And this baby didn't grow up to win mighty victories or lead an army. But... The impact this baby had was greater than any human being that ever lived. Little baby Jesus. And King Herod could have had a front row seat. Man, we talked through the centuries of the shepherds. I mean, what an amazing night when this baby was born. And there's a, there's a star that appears and there's angels that, that are singing praises. And there's shepherds out in the field who come to, to worship him. And there's Mary and Joseph. And later on, they take the baby to the temple. And there's Simeon and Anna who are prophesying. And a couple years later, wise men show up from who knows how far away to come and worship. An amazing story. And King Herod could have had a front row seat to all of it. But he missed the point entirely. He completely missed it. Instead, he's just remembered as a, a foolish schemer. A power-mad character who missed the point entirely and was ultimately tricked by the wise men, outmaneuvered by Joseph, and defeated by God. 
That's how I remember him. It's nothing. How could that happen? Here's a guy who could have had an incredible impact on it. And, you know, there's a Christmas song that I love. My kids really have gotten sick of it. You know, you hear the same Christmas songs over and over. and They always want to change it when this comes on. But it's, do you hear what I hear? I really like that song. I enjoy it. You know, I love to sing along with it. And you think, man, that's a great story. And you think, that's got to be about the night Jesus was born, right? Because they're shepherds. And I think there's some singing going on and everything. But then, if you ever really listen to the song, it makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> Absolutely no sense. It has nothing to do with it. I mean, there's a, there's a night wind talking to a little lamb. And a little lamb was talking to a shepherd boy. And the shepherd boy talks to the king. What king is he talking to? Who is this king that jumps into it? And this king tells everybody about baby Jesus? It doesn't make any sense. That never happened. So I don't really, that song really makes no sense. I don't understand it. But, you know, that could have been King Herod. That could have been him if he had truly followed through and he had understood the Old Testament the way that God wanted people to. That could have been him who created a revival and he could have believed and it could have been a wonderful thing, but he missed the point entirely. I wonder, though, I wonder tonight how many of us as Christians miss the point the same way. How often Herod's actions are reflected in our lives. You see, Herod, of course, was, was an unsaved person. I, I believe that he's, he's burning in hell today. I'm very confident of that. But as Christians, we don't have to worry about that. Praise God. But listen, we know the Bible just like Herod knew the Bible. We believe the Bible just like Herod believed the Bible, but we misunderstand and we misinterpret it. And we may even study it as Herod did. We may really dig deep and we may even have scholars, biblical scholars, teach us and train us what the Bible has to say, but we still miss it. And the Bible only leads us to worry, to fear, and to doubt. All around us, all around us, we'll see people who are living out this greatest story ever told. They're living it out in their lives and they have peace and joy and happiness. They find success in the Christian life. Things go well in their life. Things work out. But we miss it. Just like King Herod missed it. We fail to capitalize on this greatest story ever told. It doesn't apply to us. Just as it didn't apply to King Herod. How tragic that is when that happens to us. How tragic it is. And many of those people who really lived that greatest story on that wonderful time, they went on to share the truth with others around them. What did the shepherds do? They went and told everybody. Man, they got a piece of that greatest story ever told. And they shared it with everyone. And many people in our lives go out and do the same thing. They impact the eternal destiny of many around them. But so often as Christians, we miss that point. We see the greatest story. We know it's happening, but we don't have anything to do with it. I want to share with you tonight three simple things about how to miss out on the greatest story. From the life of Herod and his actions, I want to help us maybe to, to, to see some things that he missed out on in his life that caused him to miss out on it and sometimes causes us to miss out on it. So let's pray together. We'll get right into it. Lord, what a blessing it is to be here tonight. I'm thankful for these good folks and I pray that you'll help us tonight, Lord, to learn something. And I know that Everyone in the Bible has a lesson for us, even if it's to serve as a bad example, Lord. And I pray that you'll help us to learn something tonight. Speak to our hearts, I pray in your name. Amen. The first thing is very simple. First thing that Herod did was he made the Bible fit his understanding. He forced the Bible to fit the way he thought. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. We could all quote it here, right? We can all quote it. It's a great verse. It's a powerful verse. And I think for the most part, we think of the first half of the verse when we quote it. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. How important that is in our lives that we do that. But there's a second half of the verse that helps 
to complement it and explain it. It goes on to say, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Every one of us in here has a different understanding of the way that, that the world works. We all have different backgrounds. We have a different upbringing. We have different talents. We have a different personality. We have a different skill set. We have different level of intelligence. All of us have a different, uh, a different type of life in that way. And that's a great thing. God loves that. He wants to use every one of you. Man, if you just came to Christ yesterday, God wants to use everything about you to serve Him. Oh, sure, there is some, some sin that we need to clean out of our lives. But hey, he wants to use your past. You, you have a bad past. You have mistakes in your past. God wants to use that to bless others in the future. Hey, you have a personality that's kind of wild and extreme. God wants to use that to be a blessing. He wants to use everything about you. But if we're not careful, we'll allow that, all of that that's different about us, to change the way we think of the Bible. And to try to force the Bible to fit the way we think. That's exactly what Herod did. Herod heard the, heard the wise men say the words, King of the Jews. And he panicked, didn't he? Later on, he heard his scholars say that from Bethlehem would come one who would rule my people Israel, and he just lost it. He completely lost his mind. He started plotting and scheming, and next thing you know, he's just going out and murdering a bunch of little kids. It makes no sense. I mean, really, Herod, you're just going to go out? and There was dozens, maybe a hundred little boys who died because of that. He's just going house to house and slaughtering them. I mean, what is your problem, dude? That makes no sense. Why are you going out and killing people? I mean, just because some people come and say that something about a, a prophecy and you look it up and it immediately causes you to start going crazy and then killing people? You know why that was? It makes no sense to us. We would never do that. But think of who King Herod was. He had worked his whole life. He had plotted and schemed and fought against others. He had killed members of his own family. And then once he actually became king, his whole life was spent worrying about people around him who were going to stab him in the back and take his kingdom from him. And so when he heard this, he didn't hear, oh, the Messiah has come. He didn't hear, oh, the Savior of the universe is being born. All he heard was, there's a threat to me, and I'm going to take care of it. That's what he heard. And you know what? We do the same thing with the Word of God sometimes. This Bible right here is designed... To give you a guidebook of life, it, for life. It is designed to help you, to lead you in the way, to give you peace and happiness. But sometimes when we hear it, we take it and we force it into our own understanding. And it doesn't help us at all. Man, you look at, you open the Bible and Romans chapter 12 says that we, we need to be a living sacrifice. And we think, what? Man, that's crazy. I'm not giving up my life for anybody. Man, I, I've lived my whole life, you know, I'm a self-made man, and I've done things, and, and I'm, I'm going to be in control. I'm not going to give that up to anybody. I'm not going to sacrifice my life for anybody or anything. What are you doing? You're taking the Bible, and you're fitting it and forcing it into your own understanding. You look a little further in the Bible, you see something about tithing, and you say, no, that's not going to happen, man. I, I, my money is precious to me, and I'm going to spend it on what I want to spend it on. And I remember when I was a little kid, and I went to a church, and all they ever talked about was money, 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 money. They didn't care about me. They didn't care about anybody. All they talked about was money. So if I read that in the Bible or I dare hear someone from the pulpit say something about tithing, well, I know what that's about. I'm not going to give a penny. What are you doing? You're fitting the Bible into your own understanding. And well, my, my goodness, you ladies, you read in Ephesians 5 and panic starts to seep into your bones when you see that word submit. Submit to your husband? What? You don't understand my, my upbringing. I was, I was surrounded by men who were just morons. All of them. I mean, they were just jerks, and they were just, they treated everybody terribly. And if you think that for one second, I'm going to submit to my husband, you've got another thing coming. And by the way, my husband, he's kind of dumb too. What are you doing? You're taking the Bible, and you're 
fitting it into your own understanding rather than just trusting in what the Bible says and trusting that the Bible can help you. If Herod had just listened to what those scholars were trying to say, he had just understood what the Old Testament was trying to tell him. Think of the difference it would have made in his life and in the lives of people around him. But instead he said, no, I'm going to make it fit my own understanding. Boy, how many examples there are in the Bible just like that? James chapter 4 says, cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. And you say, well, does that mean I've got to give up the television shows I watch or the music I listen to? Boy, that's a tough thing sometimes. We don't like to do that. We don't like to trust the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says, come out from among them and be ye separate. We say, whoa, 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 whoa. what are you talking about? Does that mean I, I can't look like the world? I can't dress like the world? I can't act like the world? That's exactly what it, what it means. It's very simple, but yet it's so hard. So hard sometimes we say, you don't understand. You don't understand how I was raised. I can't live my life that way. I can't do that. I can't give that up. I can't sacrifice that. We're fitting the Bible into our own understanding. And Hebrews chapter 12 talks about submitting to those who have the authority over us. And, and that's all well and good until Pastor O'Donnell says something you don't like, isn't it? All of a sudden we say, whoa, I'm not going to listen to that. I mean, that's all fine. You know, when he's just preaching generally from the Bible, maybe something about end times, I'll say amen. But heaven help us if he should dare interfere with something in my life. I'm not going to listen to that. Once again, we're, we're only picking and choosing what we want to hear. We're forcing the Bible into our own understanding. What a devastating thing that is. You want to miss the greatest story in your life? Fit the Word of God into your own understanding rather than just trusting. Just trusting it. You've got a problem with what the Bible says? Just trust God and do it anyways. You're having a hard time listening to, to, to difficult passages in the Bible that seem to really hit you where it counts? Just trust what the Bible says. Just do what it says. Don't lean on your understanding. Trust in what God has to tell you. Number two, not only did Herod make the words of God fit his understanding, but secondly, he feared losing control of his kingdom. He feared losing control, and Herod was a, a wicked man. But you know what? You've got to give him credit. This guy worked himself to death. I mean, he just worked and worked and worked. Do you understand how hard it must have been for him to get that kingdom? And then do you understand how difficult it must have been for him to hold on to it? There's a lot of hard work involved. I mean, it's not an easy thing to plot the murder of your own family. It is very difficult. <laughs> King Herod had sacrificed... He had schemed, he had murdered, he had lied, he had manipulated, he did whatever it took to keep this kingdom. And he wasn't going to give it up to anybody. Least of all, some little Jewish baby that was actually a subject of his, his kingdom. He wasn't going to give it up to anyone. Well, what about your kingdom tonight? Many of you remember the great message my dad preached in the tent meeting, the kingdom of me. That's how we live our lives so often. We build up this kingdom of ourselves. In the Christian life, there's only room for one king. One king. It's got to be Jesus. You want to have a part in the greatest story ever told? You want to live that life? You've got to give the kingship up, kingship up to him. Give it to him. Let him have control. Let him run your life. But so often, we're completely unwilling to do it, and we're terrified of anything that may even lead us in that direction. We say, I will not give up this kingdom for anybody or anything. I'm in charge and I always will be. Man, we refuse to give up our rights as Christians. We say, uh, uh, please, the Bible says we have liberty. Uh, the Bible says we can do things. The Bible says we're not under the law. We're not under bondage anymore. I can do what I want. I can do whatever I want. 
God doesn't expect me to give up that. God doesn't expect me to give up that. I have the right. We refuse to give it up. What are we saying? We're refusing to give up our kingdom. Refusing to give it up. Holding on to it with all of our might. Perhaps you have some great plans for your... You have some plans for what you want to accomplish in your future. And all of a sudden, God starts speaking to you. All of a sudden, leaders around you start saying things. You start to wonder, wait, wait a second. I I don't know. I I can't give that up. Those are my plans. That's what I want to accomplish. You say, man, I've been saving money for something I want to do. Or I've been choosing my career based on what makes me happy. On the plans I've had. I'm not giving that up for anybody. No one's going to take that away from me. It's mine. And parents, this is a tough thing sometimes, but sometimes we have a hard time letting go of our family. We do. There's, there's a, a teenager that I, I grew up with for quite a while. She's not even a teenager anymore, but she's a great girl, sweet girl, and, and I, it's been great watching her grow up. And she went off to Bible college, really doing well. It's great. She met this guy. The guy's great. I mean, he seems to be a great guy, and, and everything just is wonderful. And then you talk to this guy, and you're getting to know him, and everything's wonderful. And then he says something. He, you start talking to him. Hey, now what do you want to do when you graduate? You're going to take a pastorate somewhere, be a youth director somewhere. Maybe, maybe start a church. Praise God. That'd be wonderful. Maybe be an evangelist. What do you want to do? And he says, I want to be a missionary. And you're like, oh, really? Come on now. Why would you do that? And then he goes even further. He says he wants to be a missionary to Africa. And, and all I am is, I'm not this girl's parent. I'm just a, I was her youth director years ago. And man, I'm like, what? Why would you do that? What, 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 is, what is the matter with you? And I shudder to think, if that was my daughter. I'm like, are you kidding me? What, didn't I just a few minutes ago talk about how Christmas is so wonderful in traditions? Well, certainly a tradition in my family is going to be, my whole family's coming over every Christmas. And if you go to Africa, I'm not paying your plane ticket every Christmas. I can't do that. And you've got to have a ministry over there. And so you're going to, you know, that's just not going to work out. So that's not going to work out. You know, maybe she needs to find someone else. Or maybe he needs to get his heart right with God or something. I, I don't know. And I think that may happen to me someday. It might be my daughter who says that. Man, what a tough thing that is. And you say, well, wait a second, I had plans. I had plans for her. I had plans for him. I had thoughts. I can't give that up. We've created our little kingdom there with how we wanted it to be. It's hard to give that up sometimes. Sometimes as, as parents, it's not even something like that. I mean, uh, you know, that's, a, uh, that's not too bad of a scenario. But, you know, I think of my dad, and my dad never pressured me in any, any job or any career in my life. He never did. You know, there was a time my whole life I planned to be an attorney. And, and there probably was a part of him that was excited about that, right? He never let on. He just said, whatever you want to do. Ah, bless God, as long as you're right with God, that's fine. Do whatever you want. And then I went to him and I said, hey, Dad, remember how, like, for the last 10 years I've been talking about how I'm going to be an attorney and I'm going to work for you and you and I are going to work together? Wouldn't that be, you know, remember that? Well, that's gone. Out the window. He didn't even blink. He was excited. He thought, whatever, man, whatever you want to do is great. And that's the attitude we've got to have with our kids. Sometimes, you know what we do as parents when we're in church and we think, my kid's going to be a pastor. My kid's going to be a, 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 a pastor's wife. My kid's going to do something. And then they say something, they want to do something else. And we're like, oh, really? I thought you were going to be a pastor. Hey, we just need to do whatever God wants for our kids. That's where they'll be happy. Not everyone's meant to do what we think they should do. We've just got to be happy with our kids. And, you know, this issue of control is so difficult sometimes. And my, my wife, she likes to watch the Food Network. And every once in a while, I'll watch a show with her. And we were watching some Iron Chef show the other day. And one of these Iron Chef guys said something. He said this. He was, he was in a competition, you know. 
And, and uh, he, he was doing just fine. But then it came to the judging part. And he, he made a comment. He said, I, I hate it that I'm not in control. I'm always in control of everything, but right now I'm not. And you think of that. If you're going to be a great iron chef, you're going to be a great chef anywhere. You're going to be in control of every single detail. When, he, when this guy goes back to his restaurant, man, he is king. He is the ruler of everything. Every, every item they purchase is because he wanted it purchased. He, he decides the amount. He decides the brand. He decides everything about it. And when they get there, he decides exactly what that recipe is going to be like and how much amounts are going to go in and exactly how it will be flavored and spiced and everything. He is in control of every little tiny detail. That's what you need to be a great iron chef. That's what you need to do. You've got to be in control of every detail. Well, listen, that's a great way to be a chef. It's a terrible way to live your life. Thinking every single detail has to line up exactly how you want it to be. You can't live your life that way. Herod tried to control everything and everyone around him continually. Everything had to be his way. Man, you want to drive your spouse crazy? Live your life that way. Everything's got to be your way. You want to drive your children crazy? Live your life that way. Trying to control every single little thing. It'll never happen. You'll drive everyone crazy around you. You've got to let people find God's will for their life. You've got to just let God have control. Let Him take care of it. Don't worry about all those things. Let God be in control. You want to live the greatest story in your life? Make sure you're giving God control of your kingdom. Is He the king in your kingdom tonight? Or are you still holding on to that title? Then lastly, thirdly, not only did Herod make the words of, or the Bible fit his understanding, not only did Herod fear losing control of his kingdom, but thirdly, he was only interested in what the child could do for him not in who the child was. Think of these wise men. Over wherever they were, I think, I think most people agree they were from somewhere in Persia. Maybe they were part of a, a remnant of Jews from centuries ago. And they heard about the child. These were wealthy men. These were powerful men. But what did they do? They crossed the desert. They came from far away just to worship him. Just to worship him. They had gifts that they wanted to give him. They just wanted to bow down in front of him and worship the newborn king. That was their only desire. Just to see him. Just to bask in the presence of who he was. But when King Herod found out about it, the wheels started turning, didn't they? He started thinking, hmm, baby Jesus, uh, king of the Jews. What does this mean? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for my kingdom? What does it mean for my future? Is he a threat? Do I need to worry about him? No doubt, when he wanted the wise men to tell him the location of Jesus, it was because he either wanted to kill him, he wanted to kidnap him, he wanted to try to raise him as his own and use him to somehow further his kingdom. All he was interested in was what baby Jesus could do for him. He didn't care who he was. didn't mean a thing to him. And yet as Christians... We often do that. And, you know, in life, that's how it is sometimes. You know, when you're in high school and that, that new kid comes in, or when you're in the youth group, that youth group, that new kid comes in, what do you, what, what's your first thought oftentimes? You think, oh, what can that kid do for me? Maybe they're good at sports. Or, of course, you know, if it's some guy, the ladies are all like, well, fresh meat. They get excited about it. They, they don't care about who they are. They just think about what it can do for them. That's what they think about. And you know what? Sometimes we do that at church, don't we? Man, you see that well-dressed couple come into the church, and I know for me, I start thinking, oh, are they a missionary? Are they traveling through town? Maybe they just moved into town. You know, hey, we, we always could use some new families around here. That's great. We do that, don't we? And that's okay. That's not necessarily a, a terrible thing, but ultimately, ultimately, 
It's not about what Jesus can do for us. It's not about what we can do for Jesus. It's about who He is. That's what we've got to grasp in our life. God can do so much for us. He can change everything about our lives. But if that's the reason you're serving Him, it's not going to last for you. If you're only serving Jesus because you think that God can accomplish something in your life, what's going to happen when things don't go well? You're going to lose that, aren't you? You're saying, well, God, I'll serve you as long as you take care of me. God, I'll serve you as long as I'm healthy and my family's healthy. God, I'll serve you as long as you keep me financially sound, then I'll be fine. As soon as a tragedy strikes, as soon as a difficulty pops up, as soon as a, a health issue comes about, we're out the door, aren't we? True faith is believing in who Jesus is, not in what he can do for us. So often we get so caught up in doing We've got that book in our bookstore called Done. It shares how the gospel is not about doing things. It's about what Jesus has already done. Well, you know what? After we're saved, sometimes we get caught in that same exact trap. And all of a sudden we say, all right, what can I do for Jesus now? Or what can Jesus do for me? What can happen? And we do and we do and we do or we expect God to do things for us. And instead, it's not about that. It's not about doing. It's about knowing. Our theme for this year is know him. Simply knowing Him. What's that going to mean in our lives? Are we truly going to know Him? Listen, if you know God the way that you should, doing will just come naturally. But sometimes we get so caught up in doing, we forget to know who He is. Have you ever felt like quitting? you ever felt burnt out? you ever felt so exhausted you just want to throw it all away? You know why that is? It's probably because you're doing more than you're knowing. True Christianity just overflows from a heart that's close to God. We love doing it. We're excited about it. We're so close to God, we think, man, if I don't do something for God, I'll I'll just explode. But so often we miss out on that knowing. We miss out on that closeness that we once had with God, or maybe we've never had. And instead we just do. Hey, we show up on Sunday morning and we do our job. And when we're supposed to, we go out and we tell others about Jesus. And and, and when we're challenged, we'll, we'll pass out a track. And we'll teach a Sunday school class, and we'll run a bus route, and we'll do whatever it takes. But we don't know Christ the way we should. It's not about doing, it's about knowing. Herod got so caught up in what what could happen, and what God could do for him, and what Jesus could potentially mean, that he completely lost out on what was the most important thing, which is simply this. God Almighty was born just a few miles away from him. And he missed it. And God just wants you to know him. He just wants you to understand who He is and draw close to Him. And that will fill our hearts up so much we can't help but do great things for God. You know, it's, it's kind of comical here. All of Herod's work, all of his plotting and scheming, it, it was for nothing. The wise men snuck out of the country. Joseph and his family stole away to Egypt. And verse 19 records that a short time later, Herod passed from the scene. All this effort that he put forth was a complete waste of time. All that plotting, the manipulation and murder didn't accomplish a thing. God was always a step ahead. It's the same way in our lives. We try to hold so tight to things. We try to stay in control of our kingdom, perhaps. We work so hard to see what God can do for us or what we can do for God. And that is what becomes important to us. We try to bend the Bible to fit our will and fit our plans. And in the end... It's nothing. I hope that's encouraging to you tonight to see how powerful God is, how He's always a step ahead of our petty desires, our petty dreams. God always knows. He's got everything under control. We just need to trust Him.
But if you're on the other end of that, you're trying to fight and claw against what God wants for you. You're scratching and kicking against any plan that God might have for your life. Or you're so worried about what God changes in your life might mean and, or, or what drawing close to God might do to you. That's a, that's a warning to you. It's all a waste of time. Complete waste of time. Don't try to fight against God. You're only hurting yourself. It won't mean a thing. Some of you here tonight may be just terrified of what would happen if you really gave yourself to God. If you just gave it up and said, God, my plans, my hopes, my dreams, my visions for the future, forget about it. I'll just do what you want to do. Some of you are terrified what that could mean. You're like, well, I might have to change the way that I act and the things that I do and the places I go and even the clothes I wear might have to change. I I just don't know if I can do that, God. I might have to give up some major things that I know are important to me. Ultimately, you're doomed to failure as you fight against God. Just quit fighting. Lay down your arms. Allow God to work in your life. Stop trying to bend the Bible to fit your needs. Be willing to give control of your kingdom up to God. And most of all, simply seek to know God. Don't worry about what you can do for God or what God can do for you. But simply draw close and know Him with every part of you. Stop fighting against God. Herod was doomed to failure, so will you. Let God have control of your life. Let me have your heads bowed and your eyes closed tonight. This Christmas, I I wonder... I wonder if it's time to simply give yourself